0: Thank you to the worship guys just for that beautiful time of worship. Uh, Later on, we're actually going to be breaking bread together. So um, we'll have the elements out uh, just after the message today. And I think that worship really set our hearts up for that time. But it's uh, not just about a Sunday, it's about uh, the whole week. And. I think most of us have been involved with uh, the dinner vision, so instead of uh, community groups, thank you, instead of community groups, uh, as per usual we've been meeting in each other's homes, uh, in really small groups, smaller than we usually do for community, and connecting with one another, and we looked at that last week, how the Lord uh, considers even eating together to be a spiritual thing. And also, many of us were very, very excited because we got potentially, or well, two things, an, an opportunity to have dinner with someone. If you are a west sider, to have dinner with someone on the, uh, from the east, uh, or an east sider, and vice versa, because I think we often tend to gravitate towards just our friendship circle, and the Lord is really wanting to stretch us relationally in uh, even having dinners with people that we may have seen from a distance. Uh, across church but never actually um, connected with them more closely than that and also not only that uh, extending onwards towards uh, so if a stranger from the west side or the east side in church is one level of being stretched but even being stretched as a a 2.0 version or this second phase of that is starting to invite um, unsafe people to join our dinners, or in future, just to spontaneously do it by yourself, and actually use your dining room table or your kitchen table as an evangelism tool. Um, many people will not necessarily. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to redo last last uh, week's preach, but you can download that if you. Um, I encourage you to download that preach if you weren't here last week. So um, we're going to pick it up from there, two scriptures that we did look at, and um, just wondering, maybe i just pray. Let's just pray for the word before we receive the word today. God, we just thank you for your word today, Lord. I know that I, through um, the, the human persuasion of men, can do nothing, Lord, but you, through the power of your word, can change our hearts, can put fire in our hearts, can transform us, because your word is living and true uh, through the uh, empowering of your Holy Spirit, Lord. So Holy Spirit, we pray that you just prepare each one of our hearts now as we gather around your word, as we continue to allow you to equip us for this word about eating together and fellowshipping together, Lord, that you'd continue to equip us through your Holy Spirit and through your word, God, that we can be more effective servants in your kingdom and that your kingdom would be advanced. Uh, in this nation and beyond. In Jesus' name, everyone pr- said, amen, amen. So two scriptures we looked at, maybe just before I go there. So um, I wanted to pick up on the word fellowship, because uh, fellowship is an interesting word. The Greek word for fellowship is kinoinia, Uh And get used to the word kinoinia, because usually if you've been in church for more than uh, a decade or so, you would have heard many preachers on kinoinia, because it's a, a Greek word that the translators, that the big hitters, struggle to translate into English. And you'll see many efforts to do that. So sometimes they may translate translate the word kinoinia into fellowship, sometimes they'll translate it into participation, sometimes they'll translate it into sharing. And that's one of the main launching pads of Things we're going to start with, and then I want to talk later about God calling us to openness and vulnerability, and how uh, yeah. And, uh, and then um, we're going to uh, finish with talking about creating an environment around us where that would encourage vulnerability. We all wear, to some extent, masks, <laughs> and I'm not just talking about our COVID masks. Um, I'm talking about we wear masks that hide ourselves. And I'm I'm hoping after today's session in the Lord that we would be encouraged to be a bit more brave or at least convicted or, encouraged to take off that mask and be more vulnerable with people. Um, And I'm even hoping I'll be vulnerable in this preach, you know, just to uh, break that open. And um, so... Now, the scripture, we quickly looked at Acts 2.42 last week. Um, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Now, this word fellowship there in the Greek is uh, koinonia. Uh, it doesn't just mean hanging out. And I'm hoping after today you're going to see that fellowship there, as you see it there, is not just hanging out. And it is and it isn't. It is, it includes hanging out, but it's, it's deep. And I'm hoping today... We'll see that more. And then Acts 2.46, which we focused on last week. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, because they were still received there. <laughs> Later on they weren't anymore. And they broke bread in their homes, which never changed. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So uh, this word fellowship, and uh, 1 John 5.7 is the main scripture for today. So this is the scripture that needs to freak you out. Okay, this is the one that needs to have impact today, primarily. All right, written by John, John the Apostle, the, uh, the disciple that laid his head on Jesus' chest. He's obviously uh, well qualified to, um, to be selected um, for his inclusion through the, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Uh, in, in the New Testament, uh, he wrote the book of John, as you know, it's the fourth uh, the fourth book uh, of the um, first four, do we call them Gospels? Is that right? Yeah, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. And then later on, he wrote three, do we call them epistles? Epistles. Uh, one John, two John, and three John, and they really were John Wesley's favorites. He preached mostly from them, and they are mostly about love. <laughs> Because I think it was also apt that the disciple who laid his head against Jesus' chest, that level of intimacy with Jesus was also the one that would ultimately also teach on love. Um, It makes sense. So here we have, uh, picking up in 1 John 1 from verse 5. Uh, The first part, not too important, those last few verses is what we're going to focus on. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you. That God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. That's the God we serve. A brilliant, bright God. If we say we have fellowship with Him, verse 6, important verse, if we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie. Margot was telling us earlier to repeat something. Just say, we lie. Because we actually do. Often. Unfortunately. And do not practice the truth. Verse 7, and this is the key bit of Rhema today, hopefully Rhema. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. We have koinonia with one another. And the blood of Jesus, sin, cleanses us from all sins. So we're going to focus on this verse 7 here. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So obviously around our tables, you know, we can assemble people around tables in your home, you know, you've... Your comm leader said that you're with Bob and Mary and you know, Bob and Mary turns up to your house and there you are and it's a little bit awkward in the beginning and then the ice is broken a little bit and then you know who's brought what food and then eventually you relaxed around the table and you start chatting and just fellowshipping and you love Jesus and maybe you got a visitor there and you're catering for them as well. And there's a level there, but I'm hoping that today the Lord would illuminate to us through his Holy Spirit so that we can even realize the full significance of that moment. Because it's not just what we see in the physical. There's something even deeper that's happening in that moment. But here is a challenge to us, if we can keep that scripture up. Here's the challenge to us. Um, It says here that there's actually a condition to the level of depth of this fellowship time. And it says here in verse 7, it reveals it to us. Um, I'd like to just add something because I think it adds clarity here. But if we walk in the light, to see is in the light. We have a fellowship with one another. And we see that there's actually a condition here. Is that that if we walk in the light, we'll actually have true fellowship with one another. And we need to bring ourselves into the light. There's parts of us that are in darkness, and I'm not even talking about just sin. I'm talking about some of us are like extreme, extremely inhibit, in, inhibited. Um, you may even think that you know I'm just an introvert, but actually, you maybe you are because I know that introverts recharge by themselves and extroverts recharge around others. That's the general definition. But you may be a lot more extroverted than you actually think you are, and you're actually inhibited. You there's parts of you don't want to reveal because you actually. There's either fear or shame or lack of confidence holding you back. So you're sitting at that table and you're with people, maybe strangers, and you just want to be yourself, but you can't actually be because you, um, you're feeling a little bit shy. And shy is actually f- fear. And then you might be hosting and you've made sure the house looks amazing and the house is clean and everything's shiny, but you may be presenting yourself always also as a little bit too shiny and you actually in darkness because what people are seeing is they're seeing a host that is so shiny that they're not even real and that you can actually also come into the light and reveal yourself and say guys you know I I was really struggling today I know the house is a little bit dirty Uh, I actually didn't feel like having people around tonight but I'm just doing this in faith and help me through now and let's have an incredible evening together that's being real And God's encouraging us to be real. So the condition of us of having true fellowship with one another is to come into the light. And the Lord wants to... Yeah. So, first of all, it says that we need to be in the light, and we saw it in that scripture there. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light. So, Is God in the light? So let's just... I know everyone's horrified, but let's just pause there for a sec, okay? Because let's look at it. Okay, I'm in safe hands. Um, By His grace. Um, So we know that God is without sin. Yep, God is holy. There's zero seconds. So know He's in the light as far as sin is concerned. There's no sin in God. He's never sinned nor ever will uh, sin. But we do notice that He hides. So is God in the light? In fact, sometimes He hides in darkness. He hides from us. And we've got to just get that one out of the way first because if we need to walk in the light and show ourselves as He is in the light, well, is He showing Himself? Because I think many of us have prayed in evangelism, God, why don't you just appear in the sky so that every eye can just behold you? And then hopefully everyone, because they've seen you, will say, okay, there is a God. I've just seen Him in the sky. I mean, God could just do this big show, you know. And then everyone will just believe in that moment because God has completely shown and revealed Himself to the whole earth. But we know that He doesn't. We know that God hides Himself. But we need to understand the reason why God hides Himself we see it here in John twenty twenty nine. So, Thomas said, "I, I won't believe unless I see. I won't believe because he missed the meeting. This guy's never missed a meeting, okay? So Thomas meets, misses the meeting before when Jesus turns up. Just let me think that for a moment. Thomas misses the meeting where Jesus turned up, the one before this meeting. Don't miss a meeting." Like, he, he was probably doing something lame, okay? So he misses the meeting where Jesus turns up. Then the disciple says, Jesus is alive. And he goes, I missed the meeting. I, I'm not going to believe that he's alive. This is after his, uh, his resurrection. Unless I put my fingers inside the wounds on his hand, etc., and Jesus confronts Thomas and says, Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen, and yet have believed. And we understand that God has positioned himself in the universe at this point in time to hide himself for the sake of faith. Because we understand, as the father of faith, Genesis 15, 6, Abram believed the Lord and he credited to him as righteousness. Faith is only faith is because we don't see. But we believe, even when we don't see. And that's why we are blessed. So God continues to hide himself from the world. And he does reveal himself to us through his Holy Spirit and through his word. But he continues to hide From the world because he says the gateway to me is faith. The righteous will be saved by faith. And if he does appear in the sky, he'll break his word. Because if he appears in the sky right now and shows that he made everything, it will no longer be by faith, it will be by sight. And no one needs faith when you see. And that's why when we stand before God in heaven and every knee bows, It's because that's not faith. That is seeing, and that's why they're not saved in that moment. Can you see that? You get saved here, but if you die here in your sin, there's no more chance. You will buy the knee to Jesus, but that's only when you see Him when there isn't a chance for faith. Does that make sense? He hides Himself now to test our faith. And then we see that he has in fact revealed himself completely. And uh, we see this in Romans 1.20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. Here he is, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. Every little puppy dog that runs into your room in the morning every flower you see take a breath and feel that oxygen the trees the oceans the elephants the lions us human beings everything that has been made reveals who he is in his nature that he is good and that this thing didn't just happen, that he's the creator. So he reveals himself in Romans one twenty. since clearly that people are without excuse, which is pretty freaky thing. If the Bible says that people are without excuse, um, we need to understand that it's true. I remember even, and I shared it last week, even when I was 10 years old having a, a pre-saving experience revelation with God, I realized just looking around, without art. Anyone explaining to me that all these things couldn't have just happened, we couldn't have just happened, those trees couldn't have just happened, those little bunny rabbits in Luke's house couldn't have just happened. I think he's given them away, Um, given them back because they're digging holes. Um, I all of this stuff couldn't have just happened, and in my little ten-year-oldness, I went, "There's got to be a creator." And I think even statistically, people would say. I think they did a survey in America. America is like 50% Christian, you know. But when they did a survey of, do you believe in God generically? I think it was like, honestly, it was something stupid. Like 90% believe there was a God. They're just not sure exactly. It's people are without excuse. God has revealed Himself through nature. He hides some extent of Himself for the sake of faith. Are we happy there? So God. Coming back, God, we need to walk in the light as He is in the light. We need to realize that He is in the light, not only that He is free from sin, but we need to understand that He is in the light right now. See that light coming out right now? That's an that's a expression of God's creation, and an ultimately expression of Him coming to us right now. The coolness we feel, the oxygen we feel, we breathe. is all God revealing Himself to us. So God asks us to reveal ourselves as he reveals himself. And uh, this is what we call, um, a single word here, humility. And one expression of a definition of humility I've heard is humility is the vulnerability or the capacity to um, reveal ourselves as we truly are. What I mean is this, is, is that you, you, there's no pride. There's no barriers. There's no masks. I'm comfortable in my skin. I, I don't have to put something in front of myself to hide. I can, hopefully without the sin part, but just myself. I can just be myself, and I can be just quiet in myself. I'm, I'm, I'm not performing. I'm not regressing I'm just being myself because I've come to the place of humility. Humility is just, you know, not being... He has a great expression. Andrew says it this way. Humility is not being more than you are. Humility is not being less than you are. Some of us might be at times more than us. Some, sometimes some of us are being less than ourselves. They're both pride. And in the middle sits humility meaning you're not more than yourself... You're not less than yourself. It's a, it's a beautiful revelation. And God wants to get us there. It's a, it's a, it's a picture of health. And uh, we'll talk about that more a little bit later. So, masks. Do we wear masks? You guys are all liars, okay? And I love it. Can I call you liars? And you can still smile at me. You're all liars. I also say you all suck too. Um, so, and you're also still smiling at me. Um, because we do, we do, because we do lie to ourselves, we wear masks all the time, and the scripture there said that if we don't walk in the light, we lie, and we all suck because we all sinned, okay, and sin from time to time, okay, so you hear what I'm saying, there's no, none of us is perfect here, um, and the Lord wants us to come to a place of vulnerability, and we can look at James five sixteen here. And it says, and I think James is talking about a prayer in this context. He's, um, he's majoring on it. But I think that James, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, reveals something else here. And he says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. What's, what's James encouraging us here? James, brother Jesus. What's the uh, leader of the church in Jerusalem? What is he encouraging us here? He's encouraging vulnerability in us. He's encouraging humility. He's encouraging us to open up to one another. Because when we confess our sins, you know, if I have to tell you something good about myself, I'm not being vulnerable. But if I have to tell you about one of my weaknesses, I'm being vulnerable. And sin is one of our weaknesses. So he says, confess your weaknesses to one another. Be vulnerable with one another. You know, if you're not feeling safe, you'll never confess your sins to one another. If you're not feeling safe, you'll be like, I'm not sharing my weaknesses, I'll share my strengths. I'll tell them how awesome my job is, I'll tell them how awesome my car is, I'll tell them how awesome my kids are, I'll tell them even if they're not, I'll tell them how awesome my house is. But I won't show a single crack. And the Lord is saying, show your cracks. Be vulnerable. Come on. We all suck. And what is the other one I did? We all? <laughs> Don is not participating in this. Are yeah. we <laughs> all, all liars? There we go. If we look at that scripture, because we're all wearing masks all the time. Anyone that's saying, I don't at some point wear a mask. i tell you what, Andrew even said, you know, he never wore a mask, and then he's suddenly around the big hitters, you know? Like, um, Margot, here's a big hitter, and Andrew. He's around Dudley Daniels and suddenly, whoop! Oh, it's Dudley. And it's all like, it's a mask. Why? Because he's feeling, yeah. Yeah, he's feeling fear. He's feeling like, oops, you know. And he's confessed that himself. He's, he said, I shouldn't be like that. And God actually dealt with him. Who's heard Andrew walk through that one? God dealt with his heart, said, Why are you like this? Why are you all weird around him and otherwise you're normal? Why are you normal and now you're weird? And all the, even the other leaders are going, why is he like this now? We wear masks. And uh, he has my vulnerable moments, So, but I've shared this many times in church. So, um, but I'm going somewhere with this. I, I was in a small group in Australia. It was my Wow days. And uh, in the small group, the Lord said, I want you to share this now. In the small group, I've never shared it, ever, in my whole entire life. I want you to share this now. And I was like, gulp, really? But I knew the Lord had touched something, and I shared this before. I grew up in apartheid South Africa. I was like the brown kid. My dad's Portuguese. I was the brown kid at white school. Everyone was mostly Anglo-Saxon, lily-white, and I was like the brown kid that surfed and going even more brown. And guys used to rip me off about it, because we know that school is a very loving environment. It's, you know, they're always, uh, you know, they're looking out for the weak, you know, and they um, you know, there's just extreme amounts of love at school. I mean, you know, it's, it's insane, but we, we know that that's not the case. Um, and if there's anything different about you, they're going to point it out. Too tall, too short, uh, too whatever, yeah? And that made me feel like my skin color was a weakness. And I wore a mask because of that. I was, I was a surfer boy. It was very important, you know, that was my identity, surf clothing and all the rest. And here was the Lord saying in that small group in Australia, saying, I want you to share this thing. And I, I felt silly. But you know what the Lord is saying? But this thing, you've got to smash this thing. You've got to bring this thing into the light. This thing's in the darkness. You're ashamed of this thing. You, you're ashamed of your skin. And in Australia, no one really cares. But So when I shared it, they went like, oh, okay. But it was still an issue. And I shared it. And... It broke. It absolutely broke this power thing, and I felt so good. I felt so absolutely good that I brought it into the light. And now I could bring. it was like breathing this big sigh of relief. I could bring more of Joey into a conversation. I could present. There was one less area that the Lord um, that the Lord had touched on. Uh, one less area that was holding back from the light. And the Lord wants to do that in every single one of our hearts. He wants to point little areas of our life, often weaknesses, and wants to say, that thing's in darkness. You're ashamed of that thing. And that thing is holding you back. And normally when I have to say to you guys in a meeting like this and say, what's that one thing that's holding you back? Normally something will come across your mind. You go, oh, that thing, I don't like that thing. Why did that thing happen? Or why did I do that thing? And the Lord wants you to bring it into the light. And Andrew does it beautifully. He says, I'm going to bring everything into the light that I can on earth because when we get to heaven, all will be revealed. I just want to get it out the way now. And we need to be like that with one another. We need to bring our, um, our, our inhibitions. We need to bring our weaknesses, our traumas, uh, because this is a gnarly place here on earth. We need to bring them into the light, in love, with loving brothers in a loving environment so that God can process us all into full health of humility. Not more than we are, not less than we are. yeah And that's what needs to happen here. So if you thought the church was just coming and attending and sitting on the seat, it's way more than that. God actually wants to fix you. God wants to take you and transform you into the image of the Son, And the things that are blocking and holding you back from that, He wants to bring out. And some of us have just been holding back for years and decades and some of us most of our lives and I only slightly share with those I trust but I generally I feel quite insecure and the Lord wants to get rid of that insecurity. It it will take time. Sometimes it will take years. It could take decades but he wants to start that process. What he generally does is one thing at a time. And if the Lord brings up and he says I want you to share this thing as he did in that group. Now you don't be disobedient. You're only robbing yourself. And usually, people like you more. You think that when you share, like, oh, this bad thing happened to me, or whatever, you think that people like you less, they normally like you more, because you know what? There's not a single sin that's not common to us all, the Scriptures say. We're all the same brand of vacuum cleaner with the same issues, just different versions of it. There's nothing that you're going to share that the guy's going to go, whoa, whoa. You know, it's just going to be, yeah, I remember that. Especially with, you know, you're in a good church. The guys here um, are good, very experienced leaders. And All right. So we're we good with that. So God is calling us to vulnerability. Okay. So can everyone say that? God is calling us to vulnerability. Okay. Now, none of us want to be vulnerable in a unsafe environment. I, actually, I wouldn't even encourage it. And Jesus doesn't encourage you either. And Jesus says, yeah, and I don't have the scripture, but he says, don't cast your pills before swine. Don't be vulnerable with, because then they'll turn around and eat you up. Vulnerability is not like you just go share willy-nilly all over the place. You share when the Lord asks you to share, and you share in a place that's safe. And we're hoping that this environment here that the leaders can create a safe place here yeah, with the help of the Holy Spirit, that you can feel this is a safe place. And we're going to go over three keys for that today, so, or three facets today. So before we go there, I wanted to talk about canonia uh, because I know you guys are very intrigued about that word. And um, So 1 Corinthians 10.16, 10, 6, let's have a look at that. This will, this will help us with the word "canonia." So it says, Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the blood of Christ and uh, participation in the body of Christ? So we looked at the Greek word for fellowship was koinonia. Guess what the Greek word for participation is? Koinonia. So the, 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 the translators are struggling. The translators are struggling. At one stage, they go fellowship, hanging out. Now they're going participating, which is kind of similar, but definitely feels different. But the main point here is this inclusion in Christ. And that's what kinoinia is, and that's what the Greek guys are trying to capture. They're trying to capture that Canonia or fellowship is something that's linked to the blood of Christ and something that's linked to the body of Christ. So when it says they were devoted to the fellowship, they, it's, it's, they're saying this, they were devoted to the canonia, They were devoted to something that's in Jesus. And here's the cool thing. Every single one of us is in Jesus. You know the picture of the, of the ark? What's the ark a picture of? I'll tell you, Jesus. It's symbolic of Jesus. All the guys inside the ark are you guys all the guys outside of the ark are the guys that are stressed, okay? And um, the Lord showed me a picture of a, um, of a car. But before we go there, um, let's just put some scriptural basis to this. Philippians 1.1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people, in Christ Jesus. You're in Christ Jesus. It's like we're inside of him. It's like he's covering us. And the Lord showed me a picture of a car, and it kind of looks like Luke's car. And it's great that he's leading this meeting. So, um, because his his car is always full of of kids, and if you've ever seen a car full of kids, there's this kind of vibe inside the car. Like, and then if you add ice creams, the vibe is like incredible. Okay, and the Lord is kind of showing me that we're all like inside a car. The car is Jesus, and we're like a whole bunch of kids inside this car, eating ice creams, having this incredibly good time. And that is canoina. And if you're wondering how that can happen from that first scripture, which is uh, 1 John 1, 7, it's because the blood of Jesus covers us us all. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we will have fellowship with one another, we will have canoina with each other, and the blood of Jesus will cover our sin. And that's why we are a bunch of kids inside the car of Jesus eating ice cream and celebrating and having a party. I think it's important that we see this picture of kids in a car with ice creams. Like Picture like, a huge amount of kids inside a car. Raucous, happy, eating ice creams. Rah, 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 rah. And outside... It's like traffic, noise, chaos, exhaust fumes, and we got the windows up with the aircon on, and we listen to praise and worship. That's Canonia. We're in Jesus, and we're inside this place where we can feel safe, we can feel secure, and not only that, we can celebrate because His sin—I say so His blood—has covered all of our sin. And that's all in that one line, 1 Corinthians 1, 1.7. Are we getting this? Some of you guys are looking at me like, I want to get it. Yes! Come on, t- just picture this car. Picture this car going like this, like causing like bouncing, you know? Or the kids are like, yeah! Got ice cream, ice cream everywhere. It's helping Lisa to picture it as a (laughs) bus. The ark is the same. Inside the ark, there's food, it's warm, little cute animals running around, little children running around, it's a happy place, everything's going to be fine. Outside the ark, drama. We're inside. We're inside. We're in the protection of Jesus. Your soul is in the protection of Jesus. When we come together, that's what's happening. And that's why this joy is coming out of us. That we don't need to pull out alcohol to feel happy. We're feeling His Holy Spirit, which is a gift. We're knowing that we have something wonderful in Him. We happy with that? All right. I've been promising them three points to create the safe environment. To get all the kids revving and motivated inside that car. To get that feeling where we can be open with one another. There needs to be some ground rules. If we don't put down some ground rules, it's not going to be a safe place. So, let's look at Scripture Romans 5 15 7. Accept one another. Maybe we should say it. Everyone say, Accept one another. another. Okay. Everyone happy? Can we go to point number two? (laughs) Okay, I'll develop it a little bit. Just as Christ accepted you. Now let me go there. Please take this the right way, okay? But this is what it was like in Jesus' eyes spiritually. We were filthy... Dirty unpleasing, disgusting, spiritually to God, and he accepted us. He is the most holy God, and spiritually we were disgusting to him, but he drew us in, and God says, as he did it to us, every single one of us, right you can sit in that line, we need to accept one another, and accepting one another can be a challenge romans fourteen three understands the challenge. Um, Sorry, Colossians 3.13, I'll go there in a sec, but let me just do Romans 14.3 quick. The man who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not, and the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. If you guys have never been married, you know, there's a part where where the honeymoon ends and real life begins. And you start to notice things, yeah, Donna says, no, it's been honeymoon the whole way through. So... Um, I asked her to say that. And um, so there's going to be a part where you start to see things in your spouse that irritate you, and they're going to see, see things uh, vice versa that irritate you. Honestly, there's no. if; uh, It's just reality. You're not carbon copies of one another. There's going to be something. And God often makes us marry our opposites for strength. So they can they can counter your weaknesses. And we need to. When we, when we come into these environments, you know, there's going to be things that irritate you and other people. And the Lord is saying, but you must accept them, even if you have not the, the exact same opinion as them. Because there's some things that are non-negotiables and some things are negotiables. There's some things that are grey. Let me do black and white first. There's some things that are black and white. Jesus is Lord. But there's some things that are grey. Should I, am I allowed to drink alcohol at any time? To some people, that's quite black and white. To other people, that's grey. You know what? Don't, that's leave it alone, leave it alone. Just if that's their opinion on alcohol, just leave it alone. Don't pick a, a fight there. So the Lord is saying this in Colossians three thirteen. That's the next one. Bear with each other. We almost got to like bear with each other. We almost got to be like, you know, I'll give a little, you give a little. We we need to we need to you know don't be too. This is what I, this is where I stand, and there's no flexibility. Just bear with one another. No one's saying that you have to completely think the same way that I'm thinking. But there's some things that we agree on. Jesus is Lord. Sin is sin. As described by the Bible. Elders are elders. And and things that are not helpful for us to talk about. Just leave them alone. Let's find... Andrew always says this. He says, find places that you agree on. Find places you agree on and focus on that because then that creates nice. You know the kids in the car, they're all stoked about one thing. Just get stoked on the things that you're stoked about. Don't pick the thing that you know. It's always like we're having a lovely time and then and then don't be the one that goes like you know what about this thing that like not even the theologians have figured out. You know. Bear with one another, accept one another. Number two, and this is a big one, confidentiality. We need to work this confidentiality one through. No one is going to be open if they, if they think that this is going to turn into gossip. If you're sharing something intimate that happened to you across the table or with a leader or whatever, if you share that, the expectation in any healthy church, and certainly in Josh Jen, is that you, uh, that, that, that thing, if it's shared, will go up to other, to higher-level leaders, um, uh, if it needs to be. Otherwise, it's just kept here. I don't have to blab that stuff to anyone else. We need to have a confidentiality, and the Lord warns us on this. And we see it in Matthew 12, 36. I tell you, and this is about gossip, and, and after, we could kill gossip if there's gossip amongst us. I, but I tell you that men will have to give accounts on the Day of Judgment for every careless word they speak. They have spoken. If someone shares something with you in confidence, if you're okay with it, if they tell you they murdered someone, you can't keep that in secret, you've got to go t- uh, tell your leader because you're obligated to morally. If they tell you some random minor thing that actually, to be honest, just be confident. I always say this. Oh, no, no, no. I don't have to go there. It's overcomplicating it. Let's not gossip. 1 Peter 2.17, and this is a challenge for us and it guides us, says, show proper respect to everyone. Um, the, I think the ESV says, honor everyone. Honor everyone. Fear, the God, fear God. And I think the best way to process this is to think or imagine that Jesus is in the room, and the thing is you're not imagining it because God's omnipresent. He is in the room. He's sitting listening to us slander someone. You know, when you're with your wife or your husband or you're with your friend or whatever, keep each other in check and saying, oh, what you're saying right now, because you might be sharing some information, is it honoring? Because if it's dishonoring, you're grieving the Holy Spirit. And you, yourself, will have to stand before Jesus for every careless Weird. Does everyone understand how confidentiality goes up? The elders here, the shepherds, they need to pastor you. Sometimes they need your information to pastor you well. But even in their level, they only share where it needs to be shared because of this idea of um, confidentiality. Do you guys understand that? We're sharing not because it's juicy. We're sharing it because we're trying to help you. And they oversee your soul. But even then, and take it from me, and you can talk to any of the other guys here and see in senior leadership, that even at those levels, if it's not helpful, we don't need to share it. We share things that are helpful or we don't share them. That's the code. That you know here, as you're sitting here, that you and your dignity is preserved. And I actually... Uh, did you do that second part of the preach that really, those extras, doesn't matter. I don't even know if I put it in the equation, but the picture that we all look to is Noah drunk and naked um, in Genesis 16 or something, and a Canaan comes in and goes and tells his brothers gossip, and his brothers come in and walk in backwards so they don't see their their father's nakedness, and they cover over his nakedness with a cloak. And we understand from the scriptures that Canaan did wrong and was cursed, and the other brothers did well and were blessed. We are trying to preserve people's dignity. And God will help us, and God will uh, He will honor us if we do that. Does that make sense? Canaan just goes and blabs about the sin. Um, the other brothers cover over And we try in a general aspect to cover over. We may have sin at some level and we need to choose. Is this sin? Should it be exposed at the front? Should it be dealt with privately? I can tell you right now, if you're a saint, you have no obligation to expose it here in front. If you're a leader, certainly an elder, the scriptures say that if an elder sins privately, he must confess publicly. But this principle remains through leadership, that leadership, if a leader leader has sinned, this may be a place where they need to confess their sin. Um, Where was I going with this? Um, Pardon? Confidentiality. Um, Yeah, anyway, you guys have got it. Sharing up here. Have you guys got that idea that we... The, the, the idea of, of um, I think it was, it was to do with, uh, that's covering over, that's right, it was covering over. When we cover over sin, if people don't need to hear what they don't need to hear, we just sort it out in a, in a small little group. But if we pray, especially if it's a leader, if a leader sinned, we need to consider, should they be up here? And honestly, they're rarely up here. Um, but we need to consider, is it good? And it's always for restoration, it's not for punishment. They're coming up here so that they can be free. Bring it into the light. And they need to be a good example. And the Bible says, as a warning to the rest of the leaders. And we saw that last year. We saw those elders get up about pornography. Yeah, If a saint had sinned in pornography, we would have just sorted that out at community level. But if an elder, certainly a lead elder, sins in pornography, they're up here, according to the Scriptures. So we cover over. We try to honor. We keep confidentiality. But it's not a blanket agreement. Sometimes, especially at leadership level, we need to just expose so that other leaders will be warned and that God can just deal with that thing. And actually, the good news is most of those leaders are restored now. Most of those leaders have come back. The, the attitude, especially in Josh Jen, is restoration. So I want you to feel safe on this point of confidentiality. Kimmy, um, is there anything else you want to add on confidentiality or you think I've covered it pretty much? Okay. Yeah.
1: I just want to say on one point of confidentiality. If somebody if, if somebody's speaking to you about something and you know it is sin. And it we the Bible does say that if there's something that's sinful that's going on in the body, it's going to infect the whole body. So principle is if somebody has sinned and they're telling you they've done something like I'm having an affair. You need to give that person a time limit in which they actually go and confess that to the eldership. The person needs to know that you are giving them that opportunity. Otherwise, you need to go and speak. So they need to know that. So that's a very important thing about confidentiality. We can't cover sin, but you do need to give a person an opportunity to go and confess their sin themselves or offer yourself to go along with them when they need to confess that to leadership.
0: Very good. Thanks, Camille. So I want you to know that when you're opening up your heart, when you're sharing that it is a safe place, Okay, that's what I'm trying to say. Do you feel like we're committed to that? Do you feel like this is a safe place? We don't want to mock anyone We don't want to shame anyone. We want every single one of you, myself included, to come through into more. Yeah? With your dignity, intact. Because we want to be the kids in the car having a happy time. That's the the deal. Because, and the reason was given, because the blood of Jesus covers our sin. That even when we're exposing sin, we're exposing sin, even though it's covered in a very, very general sense under the blood of Jesus, that we're exposing it so that that person can be set free. And normally that would happen except for a leader in a private setting. Alright, last point. And this is humility. And uh, so the first one was accept one another, the second one was confidentiality, and the third one is humility. And it's important that we have an attitude of humility amongst us. And Romans 5.21 says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And this is what I spoke about earlier is that we need to be aware. Um did I get that right? Romans five twenty one? Okay. It says sorry, wrong scripture, but it says submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We, so we're submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. The motivation there's a fear of God in this the motivation for why we are honoring one another, why we in humility with one another, is that God is watching. God is watching us. He's watching us. What's in the private He's watching our hearts. Watch your hearts. And 1 Peter five five helps us with this. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another, for God opposes the pride but gives grace to the humble. And then it says, also a warning to us, Matthew 7, two. if you judge ye in your heart, too judge in your heart. and so not compassionate enough in your heart towards others. You know, you, someone shares something with you and you're like, ah, you know, can't believe they do that. Or you judge them after they've shared. In your heart, most of the time, because you probably won't sad. But you judge in your heart. God warns us, Matthew 7, 2, For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Is that, is that every single one of us is guilty of the same sin, just a different version. We're all susceptible to the same sin. So we're, we're being like a Pharisee going, I'm so holy, look at you. God's looking and saying, I'm opposing you and I'm giving grace to that person. Um, and not only that, God suddenly starts to judge us. And we suddenly start to fall under God's judgment. And we suddenly start to feel like God is getting a bit gnarly with us. Why is God getting a bit gnarly with us? Because he's, he's opposing you. Because of the pride in your heart and because... You were super judgy. And Ephesians 4 2, and I'm going to finish on this one. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. And the ESV does it even better. 432 ESV be kind to one another, tender hearted. Let's keep our hearts soft towards one another.